Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello there, welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Football is back this weekend. Hurrah! It's been a while. We haven't had a game since that Sutton United game in the FA Cup. We had a weekend off last weekend and now it's back. Good old football. Hurrah for football. I like football. Now, whether or not I still like football at 7.30 on Saturday evening remains to be seen. It may be a case that I'm cursing the, the very person who invented the game. John Pigglesmith, that was his name back in the old 1400s. He decided that he would inflate a pig's bladder and him and his mates would kick it around. See if they could kick it between a couple of sticks. There were no such things as jumpers then, so they couldn't use jumpers for goalposts. People just wore, I don't know what they wore back in the 1400s armor or sackcloth or some shit like that or maybe they just went round in the nip i don't know i'm not a historian am i anyway you can imagine that first game of football him and his mates running around kicking the ball here and there some guy in the background going finger out it's just a little joke there folks you know it's all don't don't worry about it but look we'll see come this weekend if football can rejuvenate us, if it can revive us, if it can take us out of our funk, if it can infuse us with its hot, life-giving jizz, the football, the, the jizz of excitement that football gives you is what I'm saying. I hope it can because we've got a very big game and things at the moment, well, they're a little bit touchy. You know, we could do with, uh, do with a bit of a pick-me-up winning at Anfield. That would be a good way of doing that. We might feel slightly better about life and ourselves and uh, the way the team is going, the way football is going, the way everything is going. This is supposed to be our escapism. This is supposed to be the thing that, that takes us away from the, the trials and tribulations and horrors of real life. It's supposed to be a, a thing that distracts us. But at the moment, it becomes a bit all-encompassing. But we shall see. We shall see how it goes. Anyway, I hope you've been well. Of course, we were here with the Arscast Extra on uh, on Monday, and we did the uh, we did the the phone in thing um, last Friday, which is really quite interesting. I thought it went, you know, well, it could have been perhaps a little bit technologically slicker, but I thought it was quite an interesting little thing to do, and very interesting uh, that people called in from all over. Uh, and thank you very much indeed for doing that. So, what I might do. Uh, if I stop and think about it, I will have to stop and think about it a bit, though, is is do those maybe a bit more regularly, maybe do one a month and we might do it as a an extra podcast in that week. Uh, maybe in a week where we don't have a midweek game or something like that, we can do one of those phone-in shows. And I'll see if I can get, you know, co-host. We uh, we weren't able to uh, keep Andrew on the line, unfortunately. Uh, but, you know, I might, I might test it out and maybe we'll do a, a bit more of that. Um, so, yeah. 
that's where we're going. That's where we're going with the, the whole podcast thing. But anyway, interesting show for you today. Of course, because we are playing Liverpool on Saturday, I will be talking a little bit later on to the Mug Smasher. That's right. Uh, he'll be telling me what he thinks of the Mug Smasher season, and we'll chat about, I don't know what, probably football and maybe not football or other stuff, I don't know. But he will be here a little bit later on, and in a few minutes I'll be talking uh, to Jack Pitbrook from The Independent uh, to talk about Arsene Wenger, to talk about the changes at youth level. That's right, this is a week in which nothing much was happening from an Arsenal point of view, and then, bam, bam, out of the blue comes a job offer from Wolfsburg, for Andreas Jonker, who is the academy manager at Arsenal, and he said, yes, please, I would like to be the new manager of Wolfsburg. Here, Arsenal, take your job and stick it. And so off he went uh, to Germany, to the Bundesliga, but with him went Freddy Jumberg. That's right, Frederick, Freddy, Fredensen, Fred, Bleven, Jumberg. He is gone as well. He was coaching the Arsenal under-15s. Um, and he's gone to become one of the assistant managers uh, at uh, at Wolfsburg under Andreas Jonker. So some changes at youth level. We'll talk to Jack a, a bit about that. Arsene Wenger said that uh, they made Freddie promise that he would come back. That's what he said. He said, we gave him permission to go, but with the promise that he'll come back if there's a possibility to come back here. He says, overall, I think it's part of his education to become a coach, to have that kind of experience, and hopefully we can use that later at Arsenal. So there you go. Freddie's gone to to develop and, uh, you know, learn the ropes a little more. You can only go so far coaching under 15s, and being the assistant manager at a Bundesliga club is a, is a big opportunity for him. Uh, so apart from that, not much else has happened. Mesut Ozil was sick. That's right. He was uh, ill, missing training, so we'll see if he's going to play on Saturday. But he's also in the very near future, releasing an autobiography, which, I, you know, I find it a bit odd that players want to release autobiographies when they're still playing. You know, after the fact, when your career is done, I get it. You know, tell the stories, tell the story of your career, you know, stick the knife into a couple of people here and there along the way. But he, he's releasing it now shortly. It's being serialized in Bild, uh, the German newspaper. And uh, there was a, a, a passage released where he, he talked about a showdown with Jose Mourinho. And this was when Jose Mourinho was manager of Real Madrid and said to him, you think two beautiful passes are enough? You think you're so good that uh, 50% is enough? And Ozil wrote, I'm not even going to try and do an Ozil impression, sorry. Ozil uh, wrote, he pauses, stares at me with his dark brown eyes. I stare back like two boxers at the stare down before the first round. He shows no emotion, just waits for a response from me. How much I hate him right now. And I love Jose Mourinho, actually. It sounds, you know, uh, with my literary cap on, a little bit like bad erotic fiction. Not sure I want to read this book. For a second, I was right on board with it because, you know, he said he hates Jose Mourinho. I can identify with that. But then he said he loves him, and I really, I really can't identify with that. I can't uh, just, no, no. For me, no. I'll read, I'll read something else. And apparently Ozil then threw his shirt at Mourinho, who said, oh, you're giving up now. You're such a coward. Funny how Mourinho's voice has changed, I know. But he said, what do you want? To creep under the beautiful warm shower? Shampoo your hair? To be alone? Yes. Bad Erotic Fiction by Mesut Ozil, aged 28 and a half. Anyway, if that book is for you, I believe it's released at the end of March or start of April. 
So, you know, head down to your local bookstore and get the book uh, from the bookstore, from book shopkeeper. He'll, he'll do it. He'll get the book for you and you can read it and stuff. So, look, let's get on with the show anyway. And uh, to talk about uh, Arsene Wenger and uh, his situation at the moment, and also, as I mentioned, uh, the situation at the academy level at Arsenal, I'm joined uh, by writer for The Independent, Jack Pitbrook. Hi there. Hey, how you doing? I'm well, thanks. Um, I want to start by talking uh, about a piece that you wrote during the week. A uh, story that broke uh, on Monday was the fact that Andreas Jonker uh, who was the academy manager at Arsenal, had been offered the job as manager of Wolfsburg, and he left uh, to take up that role. He brought Freddie Jumberg, who was coach of the Arsenal under-15s, with him. And you wrote a piece in The Independent, which I thought was interesting, uh, the headline. And I know you're not necessarily uh, responsible for the headlines, but it was Arsenal must accept that Andreas Jonker's time at the club as academy manager was a was a failure. Um can you expand on that a little bit? There was a line in there where you said it had been clear for some time that his tenure wasn't working and he had didn't have necessarily the, the capital to truly impose himself on the role. What, what exactly did you mean by that? Well, I think he, I think he wanted to... It, the problem is that he, he came in like any, like any person would in that kind of role with quite grand visions, I think, about changing the direction of the academy particularly he wanted to make it more competitive for young players he wanted to stop the the habit of giving players professional deals as soon as they turn 17 as well as making some technical changes and i think he found that like it's such a big it's such a big um like operation basically that it was quite difficult to get everyone pulling in his direction and he found that not everyone agreed with him. And ultimately, maybe he didn't quite have the kind of institutional power within the academy where he has to balance like all the coaches, all the players, the parents, uh, the club and Wenger himself. Mm. It's, quite a, it's quite a difficult political job, basically. And while he was a, um, you know, nobody doubts Jonker's like, knowledge of the game. He, you know, he's had a fantastic CV working primarily with Louis van Gaal all over Europe. Um and people thought that he was like an interesting and engaging guy who knew a lot about football. But I think that kind of job is about relationships and alliances. And I think he never quite, or he, he struggled to kind of earn enough credit to be able to have the authority to do what he wanted to do there. Yeah, there was an interesting line. Um, I remember we did a piece not long after he was appointed and it meant that Terry Burton, who'd been there for many years, uh, w- was ousted, I guess, and he wasn't particularly happy about it. And he talked in-, in the piece about how he went to Arsene Wenger and said, look, you know, I don't know what's going on. You're bringing in this guy from the outside. You know, I know what's I know what's going on here. Maybe you can dismiss that. Or, you know, as a guy who's about to lose his job, that- that's perhaps understandable. But there was a, he said, Arsene Wenger said, well, I had nothing to do with it. So can we can we read something into the fact that this was, uh, to all intents and purposes, not an Arsene Wenger uh, appointment, but perhaps an Ivan Gazidis appointment? That maybe he was always going to find it a little bit difficult to 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 get the authority that you've been talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I think that would be fair enough. And I think that, I mean, I know I know for, I know that Jonker himself felt fairly. I think that around a point last season, he started to think, hold on a second, maybe I don't have as much of Arsene Wenger's support here as I first thought when I came in. And maybe it's going to be, maybe I won't be able to achieve the things that I initially thought I would be able to do. Like it's, I think that I think Burton and also Liam Brady are important kind of counterexamples because they've been there for a while and they built up those 
the, the credit, the institutional power, the political power, however you want to, what, what, whatever you want to call it. Mm. And then the new guy comes in and all of a sudden he has to kind of, even though he has been brought in by the chief executive, he still basically has to start from scratch on a personal level. And I think that's, it was those kind of personal, those personal relationships that he struggled with the most as he tried to, as he tried to do what he wanted to do there. The, I suppose the thing you'd say, though, about youth development is that you don't necessarily see the the fruits of the work or, or, or what changes might have been made straight away. You know, it's not like coming in and putting a new lick of paint on a wall. You know, there's a long-term uh, project, I guess, you know, for these young players and young players across the academy and all the, all the various teams. Um, I mean, what, what's the sense of the work that he did from a purely footballing point of view there i know there's been a big investment in the hayland uh facility i assume yonker had some input into that as well but in terms of the way that the teams have performed and the way that players are developing uh, how's that viewed yeah i think that's a really good point like you can't it's, it's very difficult to judge this kind of role particularly in as small as like a time frame as he had like just under three seasons you know you could say yeah well hector ballerin and Alex Iwobi came into the team and they did but you know they'd, they'd already done quite a lot of development before Yonka showed up and, mm. and therefore it's not necessarily down to him that they did so well that therefore you know it might be better to look at the the lads who are coming through right now or in two or three years time so for example the results of the development teams were not especially good um the, that's the 21s which then became the 23s obviously uh, and the 18s and then the teams in the FA Youth Cup and the uh, European Youth Cup. Now, the results weren't great. Like they didn't, you know, they didn't win the Youth Cup. They didn't do very much at all in Europe. Uh, they didn't do, they're not really challenging towards the top end of the 23s or the 18s. But that's not what youth development is about. Like it's nice to win things at youth level, but it doesn't necessarily follow that the players that that win those trophies will make it into your first team. Like Chelsea, as we know, are brilliant in the Youth Cup, and yet none of those players have yet really got into the Chelsea team, or and it's unlikely that they will in the near yeah. future. I guess it's possible that Man City will face the same issue, given they're getting closer and closer in the Youth Cup, which is a, basically a very long way of saying it's too early to tell. Like, yeah. you don't, you know, it, it might well be that some of these lads in a year or two's time, like Jeff Rennie Adelaide is a player who I think he helped to bring in, who does seem to be like a pretty seriously good player could be um and yet we kind of you know it is a bit of a wait and see job yeah um in terms of a replacement arsenal have made an interim replacement uh, that was their words um luke hobbs uh, who's been doing a lot of the the, the football work at, at hayland is going to take over in the very short term um the the question of who is going to replace him in the long term, you know, when you do invest so much in an academy and facilities, it, you want it to be run as well as it can possibly be run. So you're looking for the absolute best candidate that, that you can find. Um, some of the names have been mentioned. Uh, Mark Warburton, uh, who was ex-Rangers manager, and a guy from Barcelona, which is a story that you guys ran on the independent side, uh, called Pep Segura. Yeah, so that was a story which my done by my my colleague Miguel Delaney he um saying that Segura who had worked now is at Barcelona and previously been Liverpool had been is someone that Arsenal had lined up and looked at for the role I'm not sure exactly where where that stands at the moment you have to get Miguel on and ask him but um clearly like it's it's a really big job but it also speaks to the big issue at Arsenal at the moment which is 
like this summer like people don't know i mean it's not an exaggeration to say lots of people in football have no idea who will be in senior roles at arsenal this summer <laughs> and that makes choosing the guy to replace him incredibly hard yeah i mean it is a, a remarkable situation the 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 air of uncertainty that that's permeated throughout the club um it's sort of unprecedented because you look at the the situation with Arsene Wenger. We'll talk about him in a moment, but obviously we don't know yet uh, what what's going to happen with him. I think we have an idea of what he would like to happen, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But obviously there are uh, contract situations with Mesut Ozil, Alexis Sanchez. There are other players: Alex Oxlade Chamberlain, uh, Kieran Gibbs, Jack Wilshere, Wojciech Szczesny, who will be back uh, with one year left on their contract. There's the academy situation. And Arsenal right now are in a position where they don't know who is going to be making those decisions or when those decisions are going to be made. I know, yeah. It's it's really remarkable, actually. I can't think of a situation like it. I mean, even of course, at Manchester United, they lost to Alex Ferguson and David Gill at the same time uh, coming up to four years ago. And that was a big deal. But this would be, I mean, for the reasons, I mean, that United team, there was more stability there in the particularly on the playing side now than there is here at Arsenal. I can't, I can't, I cannot think of anything remotely comparable. Mm. Uh, the only people, I mean, Stan, Kron- it's not unfair to say that Stan Kroenke is the only person that, you know, will definitely be there. Uh, <laughs> Hurrah! <laughs> um, and from there, you know, and this is, this is kind of the problem in itself because this is the situation where what you need more than anything else is like a vision, direction, stability, mm. like a clear sense of what the people that matter want. And I think those are the things which Arsenal are most obviously lacking at the moment from top to bottom. Yeah, it's something I wrote about actually yesterday on Ars blog was about how uh, understandably, there's a lot of focus on Arsene Wenger and his future and his performance and all those kind of things. And, and you know, we know there are uh, large swathes of Arsenal fans who would like a change this summer. But there does seem to be a lack of direction from the very top of the club that Stan Kroenke is very much an absentee landlord and nobody has any real idea what he wants other than a return on his investment. If he even wants that, he's quite happy just to hold on to, to what he's got. Do you feel in some ways that that is playing? a part in what's happening what's happening at Arsenal not just at the moment but perhaps since his uh, since his purchase of, of the shares which made him majority shareholder there there's been no real drive or ambition from board level and everything has been left pretty much to Arsene Wenger yeah I kind of I, I agree with most of that like I think that I do think there is drive and ambition from board level I think that Ivan Gazidis is a very driven and ambitious person but I think that there, I just don't, I'm not sure how much, I don't know how how important to that vision making the first team as good as it possibly can be with the resources it has is, if you know what I mean. And I think that, I think that one of the reasons why um, the team, certainly well, why the first team has stagnated over the last five, five to eight years has been that it, you know, it's not, is that the higher people in the club from Cronky down are not, they're not as kind of driven to put, to throw everything they have at making the first team win as say mm. the, the boards at Manchester City, Chelsea, Manchester United are. Yeah. Given, especially given the fact that Arsenal of course now do have, you know, if they wanted to spend the top money on the top players, they could do so. Yeah. Well, that brings us to 
uh, to Arsene Wenger and you were at his press conference yesterday and he was asked about his future, he was asked about turning down a big money deal from China which he was not going to be drawn on at all and said he didn't want to talk about his future but he, he said that his intention or his preference has always been Arsenal so I think we can take the uh, take the read from this that what he would like more than anything is to continue at Arsenal but he must also be aware that the ability to be able to do that is going to be predicated on the results that the team has between now and the end of the season. Yeah, so he said, I mean, I think the key quote is when he said, I've been here 20 years and I have many times the opportunity to leave, so I don't think I have to convince you that my preference has always been Arsenal. But of course, I am objective and lucid enough to make the right decision for myself and the club as well. Mm. By which he means, of course I want to stay, but I'm not so blind to the fact that it might not be the right decision and it i'm not so i won't i won't absolutely refuse to leave at all costs now i think what's interesting is to think through under what circumstance if 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 he's saying that he could be persuaded to leave under which circumstances could he actually leave i, I think it's clearly it'll be tied to results and the fact that if they you know if they win the cup and come second he will get to stay i think if he wants if they if they go out in the semi-finals and come fifth, I think it'll be very difficult. But I don't think I, I find it difficult to envisage that even even if the season ends badly, that Gazidis and Kroenke will ask Wenger not to sign. I think it will more come from Wenger himself. I think he will, as much as he loves the club, and I think almost even more importantly than his love for Arsenal is his love of being a manager. Yeah, like he loves being a manager. He thinks it's the ultimate fulfillment of his life or it's the best way to live a good life as a person is to be a manager um and therefore i think if he does leave it would be because he thinks it would be politically impossible for him to stay like he know like he's quite he's quite thick-skinned banger he's had to become that but he wouldn't i don't think he would want to be as unpopular as he would be if he stayed on after a bad end to the season. Sure, you know I- sure. But I mean, do you do you get the sense that from an Arsenal point of view, that when you talk about Kroenke and when you talk about Gazidis, that they would perhaps be willing to, um, how will I put this? Because it, to me, it often feels a little bit like Wenger is the lightning rod for for all the things that are wrong at the club, and clearly there are yeah. there are criticisms that you can make of him and his teams and and performances in big games. I think we all know that, but it would be relatively easy for Gazidis and Kroenke to light light the Wenger touch paper for another couple of years and then sit back and watch him take all all that flack again. So, do you feel like that's something that they're considering, or or uh, you know, is there in any? Uh, conversation that you might have had with anyone a sense that there's a contingency plan should things uh, not go the uh, the rest of the season the way that they might yeah i mean we all you know there are these names that you we keep hearing which uh, i mean sound quite plausible as the kind of backup shortlist which are allegri tuchel jardim but i think you, your point about the lightning rod is absolutely right like if you know there isn't if you ask anyone who's who runs this club obviously it's arsene wenger if Arsene Wenger goes and was replaced by Tuchel or Jardim or whoever, it would like, and then things start to go wrong next season. I don't think people would say, "Oh, you know, Jardim Tuchel isn't he useless?" People, I mean, this would come back on Kroenke and Gazidis because they've been, they, you know, they've taken the club 
they've been here for much longer than the new coach, whoever that might be. Mm. And they were the guys who, uh, you know, appointed him in a rush over the summer, speaking hypothetically, uh, without necessarily having the the kind of infrastructures in place, such as a director of football, to make the transition easier. So I do think that if if it's a big if, if Wenger goes and they get a new guy and things don't go so well next year then all the, all the shit that would inevitably be created by this would be landing on the heads of, of the senior people at the club, not on, not on the head of the new coach. Mm. Well, yeah, again, it's a hypothetical and obviously dependent on what happens uh, between now and the end of the season. A lot of big games for Arsenal and uh, you know, still to play both Manchester clubs, uh, Tottenham Hotspur away as well, and then uh, Liverpool away on Saturday. Just br- very briefly touching on that game... Uh, in some ways, you might say it looks like a good time to play Liverpool because their form is so abject. They've only won two in their last 12 games. Uh, but seasoned Arsenal watchers will know that we have this um, this ability to inspire and rejuvenate and and uh, reignite the season and form of other teams, which is a, a bit of a worry. Um, which manager do you think is going to be most worried about this game? Um, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I think that... I mean, you probably have to make Arsenal favourites based on the fact that Liverpool are playing even worse than Arsenal at the moment. Although you always want... Um, and cause, I mean, Liverpool against Leicester was abysmal. Liverpool Liverpool have, like... I mean, what's the best way of putting this? I think that li- the danger is that Arsenal might not play... In, I mean, there's a way of playing against Liverpool. The question is whether Arsenal will play that way, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Will Arsenal make things difficult for Liverpool like Leicester did the other day or will they play a game which would leave them open to to exploitation by Liverpool uh, with the pace they have although that said if Jordan Henderson isn't fit that completely changes how Liverpool play because Henderson I mean Henderson isn't a particularly quick player but he does kind of set the tempo for Liverpool in midfield Mm. and when he's not there their build up is so slow that it makes them hard I mean they can't be as effective on the counter attack as they can be when Henderson is playing um, so, it, I mean, I think we kind of. So, I think it a lot of hinges based on how Arsenal approach the game, and whether or not they try and think about it cleverly, or whether or whether they just go and play their natural game. Yeah, yeah, it's difficult to know. I mean, it, it really is uh, so hard to tell when both teams are struggling for form and confidence and belief. Um, it, it, you know, anything could happen. Just one final question on on Mesut Ozil. Uh, he's been ill this week. Uh, apparently he's been off training a, a, a little bit ill. Is, is that in some ways a a little bit of a get-out for Arsene Wenger if he, if he decides not to play him in a big game away from home? Where, where do you stand on that whole thing? Because in some ways I feel like he's singled out for his lack of performance in big away games, a little unfairly at times because he's no worse generally than anyone else in the team. And I think it's more a collective effort uh, that's lacking when Arsenal don't perform in these big games. But he maybe stands out a bit more because he is the record signing and he is a guy who you would like to see perhaps really impose himself on a game and and be the creative force for, for Arsenal to help change this away record, which is really, really quite poor. Yeah, I think that's fair. Like, I mean... Like a lot of people, I've always been a huge Ozil defender. Like he's an amazing player to watch, and I love watching him. And I do think that he is—he's one of those players who gets unfair criticism because of his style of play. Like 
I'm not sure he wants to win. I'm not sure he wants to win less than a player whose style is to run around more. Mm. But he just, it just looks that way. All that said, there has clearly been, like, he has clearly been much worse in the last, like, I don't know, since about November yeah. than he was in the first half of the season when he was really good. Um, and I think that, you know, for, there might there was a point not very long ago where I might have thought that out of Ozil and Sanchez, you'd want to keep Ozil and maybe sell Sanchez. But now I think the opposite is true. I think Ozil's kind of focus seems to have dissipated so badly. Mm. Um, whether or not he can do it at Liverpool on Saturday, I mean, you'd have to suggest that the evidence the last two months is that he probably won't. Like, there's not much. You'd be you'd be more surprised if he turned out a brilliant performance out of nowhere than if he did what he did at Stamford Bridge, which was poor. Yeah. Um, so yeah I'm afraid I'm not exactly filled with confidence on that one alright well look we'll see how it goes uh, Jack thanks a million for your time really appreciate it cheers mate thanks a lot thank you very much indeed to Jack you can find him on Twitter at Jack Pitbrook that is at Jack Pitbrook and you can read his stuff in The Independent as well right we're going to take a very quick break we're going to be back with a competition for you video gamers out there well some of you unfortunately not all of you uh, but that's just the way it goes in terms of the prize uh, we've got to give away and we'll be chatting with the Mug Smasher 2 right after this King King it's only King Med Med King Med King Med King Med King Med King It's only King It's only King Why you have to be mad 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 
Well, this is a regenerated, revived version of that game, of that classic. And as the bump goes, it's a game that requires old-school skill levels and time investment to truly master the controls. It's a limited edition version of the game which comes with a t-shirt that's too small for normal men. So if you're smaller than a normal man, this could be just the prize for you. Uh, But what we've got is a limited edition version of the game. uh, And all you have to do is uh, email competition at arsblog.com. That's competition at arsblog.com, and a winner will be uh, picked at random and announced on next week's show. Uh, You can get this game in all good uh, video game stores. Uh, You can also get it as a digital download from the PS Store. It's called Kickoff, and I'm telling you, the thing that makes this game absolutely great is that on the advertising hoardings around the pitch in the game... Arsblog is on one of the uh, advertising hoardings or pops up now and again, along with our uh, podcast buddies at Retro Asylum. And if you like video games, if you like old video games, retro video games, and you're looking for a podcast that gives you everything you need when it comes to retro video games, Retro Asylum is exactly what you're looking for. Follow them on Twitter at Retro Asylum 1 or search Retro Asylum in iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. Download and listen to all the uh, great episodes that they have on there. It's a really fantastic podcast about video games, if that's your bag. So there you go. That will be uh, that will be something we'll announce on next week's show. And sorry again to the rest of you uh, who don't get a prize to enter because you don't have a PSS4. Uh, but, you know, you could easily solve this during the week by going out and spending hundreds of pounds on a, a PlayStation 4 so this competition is worth entering. Probably not the wisest use of money that there ever was, unless you were already planning to get a PS4. I don't know if you were or not. I'm not a soothsayer. I can't see into the future. What I can see, though, is the um, the Mug Smasher. He's here to talk about this weekend's big game between Arsenal and Liverpool. Good evening to you. Hello there. How was, uh, how was your climbing? My climbing? Mm. I'm really bad at it. It is like an indoor wall. It's an indoor wall, and everybody's younger than me and stronger than me. <laughs> Makes me feel pretty fucking great. And uh, like, is there is there any danger of hurting yourself? Um, no. When you're standing on the ground, no. But when you're like six foot or ten foot up, it feels like you're going to plummet to your death. But mm. I mean, all you're going to fall on is a, is a mat, a giant mat. Yeah, but um, it's kind of fun. Is this are you learning to climb? You know, just in case we have to go live in the trees <laughs> at some point. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, in case I need to run away from all of the people. Mm, yeah. I remember you were not very good at... Co- well, you used to be good at climbing. I was also good at falling. You were really good at falling. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one time you f- fell out completely out of a tree a long way down. I remember that. Yeah. And actually, for once, you didn't break anything. No. Which is amazing, considering yeah. how much you broke as a kid. It still doesn't make sense. I should have broken <laughs> something, but... Hey yeah. ho. Oh well, it didn't back. break your spirit anyway. No, back up the tree. Yeah, all right. Well, look, uh, the last time we spoke was uh, be- oh, Jesus, it was August. Well, not the last time we spoke <laughs> to each other, but the last time we spoke on the podcast was back in August ahead of the opening day of the season. Uh Liverpool were visiting the Emirates to play well prepared, ready for the new season Arsenal and uh took took advantage of that. Yeah, mm. what, that was a 4-3 win. 4-3 win, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't remember much about the game. 
I'll be completely honest. Other than the fact that we won, but four three makes it sound like oh, did we go miles ahead? And you, yeah, yeah, you clawed a couple of back. Yeah, we went ahead. I think we scored first. Walcott missed a penalty, and then we scored first, and then you score. You were four one up at one stage. Yeah, um, and then our defending took over. Yeah, in some ways, was that like not necessarily a microcosm of your season, but of what it was going to be in the sense that at times you look really threatening and dangerous in attack but still capable of letting in lots of goals yeah it was just a continuation of last season's form um whereas last season we'd win a couple and lose a couple this season we managed to win tons for a while mm. but, but now we are yeah it's gone um, it's gone. as flaky mm. as flaky as arsenal yeah it's gone a bit wrong hasn't it it's like yeah whatever happened from the turn of the new year well we missed Mane clearly but We've missed Henderson when he's not in the team as well. Mm. Um, yeah, and we—I mean, we don't have a striker. That is the mad thing, isn't it? I mean, I really—I think Firmino is excellent, um, and he scored a ton of goals and he contributes a lot to the play. But in games like the one on Monday night, mm. where things aren't working, a, a real centre forward makes a difference. Should never have let Benteke go. <laughs> <laughs> Where is he now? Palace? Crystal Palace, yeah. Oh, well, you couldn't really judge him. They're having a nightmare, aren't they? Mm. Well, yeah. I mean, every day must be a nightmare when you wake up and realise that Sam Allardyce is on top of you. <laughs> From a footballing... Oh, staring into your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Mm, big Dri- sad. Dri- dribbling. Oh, my God. Yes, the freshly uh, cho- uh, chewed cud there on the pillow beside you. Delicious. Mm. Um, but yeah, that is a mad thing, isn't it? That you don't necessarily have a centre for. Well, you've Daniel Sturridge, but what what what's happening with that man? Well, I mean, when he comes on, we we look disjointed. He doesn't seem to. He doesn't fit the style of play. It's really obvious. Mm. Uh, he comes too deep. He takes too much pace out of the ball um, yeah we just we don't function properly mm. but then at the, having said that again in games like uh, Monday night and the other games we've lost to lesser teams this season um, you know we weren't it wasn't we weren't working as a team anyway yeah so so if you double don't work as I think maybe that if you if you're not working as a team putting on somebody who makes you not work as a team it could be like a double negative and make it a positive um, uh, not not exactly although right. that sounds convincing <laughs> just you may as well because nothing else is working so sure. put on someone who can score goals um, and he can score a goal out of nothing yeah. when he wants to but I won't be upset if he leaves in the summer I don't think anyone will he's, I don't uh, yeah. he's too flaky yeah I don't think they're going to keep him are they? he doesn't ever seem to have convinced Klopp no in his way um, what, what, what uh, how's your view on Klopp uh, I still like him. Mm. We're still making progress. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, I suppose we need to... Uh, he occasionally looks bewildered on the sideline, you know, when the team just don't perform. Mm. Uh, and I think he could probably be a bit more proactive in that situation, but I don't know. It's easy to say that sitting on a couch. Yeah. He should um, make a scary face at them more because I would play really well if I knew that he was going to make his scary face at me. If he unhooked his jaw. Yeah, did the un- like, yeah, I'm going to consume your head Yeah. in one bite. I like him though. Yeah. He's still good. We're still making progress. Mm. We've played some brilliant football. We still can't defend. 
Mm, that um, is a big problem. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, but you could argue that we've been more consistent this season and, and yeah, we're higher up the table. We've got more points, mm. I presume. And so you, it's progress. Yeah. And you would assume that this kind of run, uh, you know, based on what happened in the first half of the season, that the run that you're on at the moment is has got to come to an end. You've got to find a bit more consistency in earning points. Yeah, or? but I thought we'd come to that. I thought we'd got out of that cycle and then yeah. Leicester um, decided they wanted to play football for the first time this season. Yeah, wasn't that good of them yeah. to just turn up and, like, try? Yeah. What fucking bastards. Yeah, it's very, very hard to like any of them yeah. at this stage. I mean, it was hard enough. Yeah. <laughs> it was, but <laughs> that, uh, they just seem like fucking horrible pricks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it it almost felt inevitable, didn't it, what happened in the game on Monday night after they'd sort of gone some way to shafting Ranieri yeah. to then just turn up and be 200%, 300% more in into playing. Yeah, I said it to you on Sunday as, yeah. we, as we had a pint. Yeah. Yeah, we'll lose to these. Mm. Fuck them. Um, so I still hope, I hope they get relegated. Yeah, I don't think they will, but no. I, w- I would enjoy that. I would enjoy I that as well. I think lots of people would. Yeah. What about the fact that, you know, when you do lose games, they tend to be against the, the so-called lesser lights and that your record against the big teams is pretty good and, and Arsenal's away record against the big teams is not so great. Does that give you confidence going into Saturday? Yeah, it does now. I wasn't aware of your away record. No, I've just, I knew we'd been good against the, the top six mm. and, and brutal against everyone else. Um, but this is a team or this is a game that it's just impossible to call mm. it's who can fuck up the less or the least <laughs> I think uh, there's going to be goals for sure yeah um, and some really hapless defending on both sides yes I think we're both we're both capable of that yeah so it's impossible to call really um, a couple of months ago I would have said Liverpool at home we're going to win mm. I don't know maybe it's a game that will suit us because Arsenal aren't really going to sit back that's the thing, isn't it? Where I was just talking to um, earlier in the podcast to uh, Jack Pitbrook from the Independent, who was yeah. saying, yeah, it would really depend if if Arsenal can play the kind of game that, that would nullify Liverpool, then you'd fancy their chances. But if they go to Anfield and try and play the normal game where they try and get on top of it, then it might just play into Liverpool's hands a bit. So yeah. I don't know how adaptable we are or how well, adaptable you- the manager is going to be. I think in the last couple of seasons you've shown more uh, of an appetite for stifling teams mm. and, and you've done it to good effect sometimes. Mm. Yeah, there's um, one or two games. Certainly there's one against Manchester City which really sticks out. But I do wonder yeah. how much of that was a plan and how much of it was just like, oh, fuck, we're, we <laughs> we're being lose. battered here and uh, we've got to sit back and defend, you know. so Maybe, yeah. Yeah. How, yeah. how are you feeling about everything? Um, I feel it's um, it's really weird and uncertain there's so much going on around the club that nobody has any clue as to to yeah. what's going to happen in the summer you know you've got Alexis and, and Ozil who are uh, heading towards the last 12 months of their contract you've got other players as well like Wilshire and Oxley chamberlain a few others who are also heading into that thing nobody knows yet who is going to be the manager next season it's so dependent on on the results um the it's just really weird that that so much uh, depends on what happens between now and the season and even from game to game. People's mood is going to be hugely affected by 
by every result. So if we win against Liverpool at Anfield, that'll be fine for a couple of days. Hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, the next time we lose, it's just going to be a complete shitstorm again. Yeah. You know? People um, are incapable of uh, being rational at this stage. Well, yeah, I mean, there is that. There is that, but it's um, it's just sort of a, a like a rolling stone that's gathered a lot of moss and shit along the way that the weight of the desire for change and stuff like that is um, is just growing all the time. You know, so if Arsene Wenger finishes second and wins the FA Cup, then then he's got a good a good case to sign a new deal. That would be total insanity on his part, on the club's part. Well, that's what I'm I'm going to ask you. But you know, if if they finish outside the top four and don't win a trophy, then there's I don't think there's any way that that he can stay. So I mean, looking at it from your point of view, what what do you think about the the whole Wenger situation? He should walk away because the club. Are, it seems like the club will never fire him. Mm. Um, he should walk away because it, it's it's you know this it's the same thing every season. Nothing that's happened this season is surprising to anyone mm. except maybe him. Yeah, um, I don't think it's even surprising to him. No, it can't be, can it? Um, no, and I, I mean, look, I don't think he's finished as a manager. He's just finished at Arsenal. Mm. Nothing is going to change, um, so he should walk away. And, and then I don't know. People argue that second in the league and Champions League every season is success, and it's far more successful than. Uh, most other clubs in the English Football League. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. You can't deal with the kind of shitstorm that goes on every time uh, someone misplaces a pass or you lose a game. I just walk away. Yeah. Just fucking goes in the beach for a while. Yeah, I don't think he can, though. That's the thing. He's just so wedded to being a football manager. That's all he wants to do and all he wants to be. And I think, he, you know, I think his desire is to, is to stay at Arsenal for another couple of seasons, but it it just entirely depends on what happens between now and the end of the season. But even then, it won't change the minds of people who, when it comes to, let's say, next season and you lose a game or you lose a couple of games or, you know, you're in the title race and then all of a sudden, you know, within the space, as is what happened this season, Arsenal are in the title race and then within a week or two weeks, the results were so bad that they were then more or less out of it. Yeah. You know, that your season can flip like that and people just, I don't think, have the appetite for another another, another one of those adventures. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Mm. It's, it's shit. Liverpool had the same thing in the space of two weeks. Mm. Out of two cups and out of the league. Yeah. Um, again, it, it's the same shit every year and I, uh, it takes a lot for me to get kind of excited by Liverpool these days after years and years of uh, yeah. you know things going wrong um, and I resisted for a long time this season but we went top of the league um, I, I can't remember who we beat but we gave them an absolute spanking to go top of the league oh I remember the game alright yeah might have been Southampton might have been Everton I don't I can't remember yeah I remember the and I yeah, then I thought, oh Jesus, this might be it because we were beating the 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 smaller teams as well, beating the teams that we would traditionally stumble mm. against. And then as soon as you start to believe that, just fucking, <laughs> they <laughs> fuck you up. Up. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, yeah, it's a lesson we never learned. No, no, that's football, I guess. Yeah, that is football. Can you see beyond Chelsea for the title? No, no, no. Earlier in the season, I was convinced that. 
um, that they couldn't maintain this, that it was an amazing run, mm. but it was sort of as good as they could get and they'd start to they'd start to wane, but they haven't really wobbled at all. No, I mean, they had their little blip at the start of the season almost, you and know. They, they had a couple of draws recently, but yeah. um, no, I don't, I don't see anyone stopping them. Mm. Oh, well. Oh, well. Oh, well. This could be worse. There's, yeah, there's always next year yeah. with the same... The same old shit. same yeah. old shit. Our seasons end in February. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, look, um, the traditional not wishing you good luck, what have you, for... Uh, you have to predict an Arsenal win or a Liverpool, you know, that's how it works. Oh, yeah. Um, nah. Yeah. You don't have to do that. Yeah, I think there'll be six goals in the game, though. Six goals in the game? Yeah. I might put a fiver on that. Wonder what the odds are for that. Yeah. Six goals. Six goals above. Let's hang on. Let's just uh, let's just do it, will we? I'm almost constantly wrong about these things. Well, that's fine, but like just on the off chance that for once you're you're right. Uh, put your house on it. Put put your house on it. Let's see what we get here. Uh, Bet fair. Liverpool versus Arsenal. Um. Okay, over, under... See, I don't get this. What's five and a half goals? What's that? Over five and a half goals is six goals. Right. Why wouldn't they just say over five goals, though? Because over five goals is also six goals. But then you don't have over, under. Because it'd be over five goals and under five goals, and then you couldn't bet on the five-goal market. So there you go. Right. There's your answer. I still don't get it, but... What's not to get? The fact that, like, if it's over... If it's over five goals, you're betting on six or more. If it's under five goals... You're betting on four. Or more. But there's a whole market there that the betting companies can't rip us off on to the five-goal market. Who's going to bet on that? I don't know. They're losing money. But is that not the under six goals or above four goals market? Yeah, yeah, probably is. I don't don't know, but there's probably a reason. I'm no doctor. Anyway... It says uh, five and a half. That's what we're going for, the five and a half goals on. Ten to one. Ten to one. That's not very good. Why I would have thought that would have been like quite a lot higher. But maybe they know that it's Arsenal versus Liverpool and it's two teams I can't defend. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Get your house on it. Yeah. It's not worth it. You'd have to put like lots of money on that to win any real money. I'll still, I'll stick a fiver on it. We'll see what happens. You're welcome. All right. Thank you. Good day. Right, well, thank you very much indeed to the Mug Smasher. Let's hope that he is a sad, sad Mug Smasher come 7.30 thereabouts on Saturday evening because it is a 5.30 kickoff. Boo! I don't like 5.30 kickoffs, but uh, there you go. What can we do? TV schedules are not made by us or made with us in mind in any uh, in any way, as we saw this week when Sky and BT announced all the fixtures were playing away at Middlesbrough on a Monday night and two Monday night fixtures in a row and a North London derby at half four. But anyway, that's, that's, uh, that's stuff we can worry about in the weeks ahead. Uh, this game tomorrow at Anfield... Um, if it's not quite must-win, uh, even though I think uh, a win is going to be absolutely vital, it's most certainly a do-not-lose kind of a game. Um, you think back what happened there last season when we were 3-2 up with just injury time to go and Joe Allen scored a late equaliser for Liverpool and I really feel like that goal played a major part in 
in our title challenge falling apart. You know, instead of coming back from Anfield full of confidence and belief, having gone behind a couple of times and come behind to win the game, we end up drawing, we end up losing in really heartbreaking circumstances because when you lose and drop, or when you drop points rather, that late in the game, it's so demoralising. And after that Liverpool game, we won just two of our next eight Premier League games. And I really do feel like if we'd won that night at Liverpool, if we'd won at Anfield that night and taken three points, we were top of the table. We were top of the table. And that weekend allowed Leicester to draw level on points with us because we only had a point and they beat Tottenham away from home, a very late goal, I think, from Robert Huth. I think if we'd won that game last season, might might just have been different. Maybe it's a bit of wishful thinking on my part, but... I can't I can't think back to that game and not not think that it had just a massive effect on the team's belief and given what's happened in Munich recently given what's happened at Chelsea uh, and Arsene Wenger even admitting at his press conference on Thursday that the away record is a bit of a problem it doesn't help he said they've got to be strong enough to deal with it and while the criticism um, is very much focused on the manager I think there ought to be some on these players as well you know they're better than they've shown in recent weeks and Maybe it's all to do with Arsene Wenger, but I think as well uh, they can't be absolved of the blame. Too many players have been below par, far from their best, and we need them to be back at their best uh, going into this final stretch of the season. So it's up to the manager to get that out of them, but it's also up to them to perform when they get on the pitch. And uh, I really hope they can do that uh, against Liverpool on Saturday because... You know, if we don't win, it raises just more and more questions about our ability to cope with these games away from home. We don't quite know what team he's going to pick. Mesut Ozil being ill might mean that he he won't risk him if he's not 100%. Um, will he take him, put him on the bench? You know, we'll have to wait and see. Uh and I do think, as I said earlier to Jack, that the away games are much more of a collective effort than like one guy not, not driving the game on. But it would be brilliant to see Mesut Ozil really take a grip on a game, especially away from home, and, and be the decisive force in it. But, you know, there's plenty of attacking options. We've got, we've got Giroud back in the squad. Alexis Sanchez is there. Theo Walcott, Lucas Perez, Danny Welbeck. You know, these guys are there. We've got firepower. It's whether we can work what happens behind them to the point where that firepower becomes effective. And I do think finding a right balance in midfield is uh, is a challenge still. It's not something the manager has figured out yet this season to uh, to a large extent, certainly not since the uh, departure of Sandy Cazorla. And uh, until such time as we do get a functioning midfield, I think the rest of it is always going to be a, a little bit higgledy-piggledy. But look... Um, I'm going to leave it there. James and I will be here on Monday. We'll be discussing everything that happened at Anfield uh, tomorrow night. Fingers crossed it's a win. Uh, fingers crossed we have a good result. And, of course, we've got a big, big game against Bayern Munich uh, next week uh, to try and restore some pride, if not qualify, uh, in the Champions League. So, look, have a great weekend. I'll catch you on Monday with James. Until the next one, cheers. Bye-bye.
I remember my first encounter with him like it was yesterday. He stood there, his muscles bunched beneath his white, tight T-shirt. I felt like a stag must feel when it's feeling at its most stagly, stagging around in a field. I stared. I couldn't keep my eyes off him, but he didn't notice me at first. I could see the sweat glistening on his brow. Eventually, he caught my eye. My heart almost stopped as he began to speak. Those words still echo in my brain now. All right, mate, what can I get you then? Six buffalo wings and a large fry. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Eyes, I said. It was going to be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. <laughs> 